CFL fans, are you ready? Because it's time for the Canadian Football Countdown on Mike FM Winnipeg. Canadian Football Countdown starts now. Week 1 is in the books and it gave us our first looks at 8 of 9 CFL teams. A week full of drama, or so it seems. Some faces and new places rose in stock and one major upset left us all in shock. A nice little poem there to start the show. Hello everybody and welcome to the Canadian Football Countdown. I'm your host, Ryan Coop, and uh, this week I am spreading my wings and I'm flying solo. Uh, something came up the last couple of days and Mike is not here this week to join me, uh, but he should be back again next week. So you'll just have to bear with just me for today, uh, talking all things from week one in the CFL. I'll, uh, I'll kind of go through each of the nine teams in the league. Yes, even Toronto gets a bit of a shout out, even though they were on a bye week. And uh, give a couple thoughts on what I saw from them in week one of the CFL season. We'll also update uh, everything CFL Fantasy and CFL Pick'em. And give mine and Mike's picks for week two in the CFL uh, throughout this show. The Canadian Football Countdown is a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Check out cfpodnetwork.ca and at cfpodnetwork on Twitter. And follow all the other great shows there. Start of a new season. Lots of great stuff going on as football is finally back. And oh my goodness, was it so great to see CFL football, regular season CFL football on the TV screen again this week. Didn't get a chance to go to a game because the hometown Winnipeg Blue Bombers were in BC this week. But, you know, it was great to see the game on TV, listen on the radio, and uh, it's great to have the season back, and I'm excited, very excited for this season. I think week one gave us already a look at uh, how crazy this season may be. Uh, as I mentioned off the top, they're a major upset, as we'll get into all of that here yet. Uh, before we start talking about some of the teams this week, uh, and, you know, looking into them a little bit more from this week... Uh, just looking at some of the CFL pick'em, CFL fantasy results from the week before. Uh, in terms of our CFL pick'em last week, Mike went two for two, two and two. He had picked the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, or sorry, no, he had picked the BC Lions over the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and the Calgary Stampeders over the Ottawa Red Blacks, as did uh, about 93% of everybody. Um, and if you'd like to see uh, how I did in CFL Pick'em this week, well, here's what you can do. You can go to uh, pick'em.cfl.ca and uh, just check the leaderboard and you'll find me right at the top, actually. Yes, a perfect 4 for 4 week has me number one overall in CFL Pick'em. Uh, not gonna lie, feels pretty good. Uh, it's about as good of a start to the season as I could ask for. Yes, I did pick the Ottawa Red Blacks, to beat the Calgary Stampeders on a whim, and they delivered. So we'll see if I can keep up that good luck as the season goes along, and uh, we'll see if uh, Mike can uh, get, you know, above 500 this week with his picks for week number two. 
uh, looking at CFL fantasy results uh, in terms of TSN CFL fantasy, I had a solid week at 116 points, uh, finishing 1,337th overall, or elite as the kids these days say, I believe. I, I don't really know what that means, but I think it's some sort of gaming reference that I should know. Um, solid week, 116 points. Dominic Davis as my quarterback, thanks to those three rushing touchdowns, puts up 22 points. Andrew Harris had 22.5. Sean Thomas Erlington, 13.3. Greg Ellingson, 11.6. Brian Burnham, a couple big catches from Mike Riley for 20.3 points. Darvin Adams at 18.3, and the Eskimos defense at 8 points as well. So a 116-point week to start the season, which also gives me my first win of the year in the CFPN 2019 Fantasy Challenge. As I mentioned last week on the podcast, going up against Steve from the Piffles podcast. Uh, you know him as Safamod on Twitter in week one. Uh, I do pick up the win there, so it's solid start to the year. Great matchup, Steve. He did have the unfortunate uh, case of his starting quarterback going down three plays into the season with the Zach Caleros injury. I believe the matchup could have been entirely different were that not the case. So uh, luck, I guess, a bit of a break for me in CFL Fantasy in Week 1, and we'll see if we can keep that up going into Week 2, which we'll talk about all of this this for Week 2 closer to the end of the show here but uh the first round first week results i have the bc lions den podcast uh beating out travis curra uh so brian from the bc lions den beats travis curra from the two and out podcast uh super fan mike from the eskimo empire podcast beating uh bb can ryan from cfl horseman uh myself beating safamod andrew from the eskimo empire podcast beating out brazilian Ty from the two and out cfl podcast and Rod from the Wood Cookie Sawcast beating out Sheldon from the CFL Horsemen. So congrats to all of our winners from Week 1 in the CFPN 2019 Fantasy Challenge as it is well underway. Uh, Ten hosts from around the Canadian Football Podcast Network going head-to-head in CFL Fantasy all season long. Check out CFPod Network on Twitter uh, and follow along as I will be tweeting out the matchups and the results each and every week. And of course, a lot of playful trash talk will come with that from each member of the uh, of the Fantasy Challenge. So look forward to that as well. Uh, almost done here with CFL Fantasy. Boy, am I in a lot of CFL Fantasy stuff this year because, you know, I just think it adds a fun element to watch games, you know, to see, you know, is this player going to get a catch? You get on, you know, you're on the edge of your seat a little bit. The ball's in the air. Is he going to catch it? No, he drops it. Uh, you hope he catches it, but... Uh, yes, if you listen to our previous episode, Mike and I drafted our fantasy teams for season-long fantasy, and uh, of course, with week one starting, began our first week of accumulating points, and uh, you know, I felt really good about my team coming into this season. I thought I might have a bit of an upper hand uh, on Mike, although he picked a very strong team himself. Well, I got my butt kicked in week one by Mr. Michael Garrell. 198.78 points for him, 144.42 for myself, so behind by 54 points after week one. Uh, top performers for Team Mike, uh, Trevor Harris, 35.08 points, monster week for Trevor Harris. Uh, Simone Lawrence, uh, ooh, sorry, this is a, I know this is a touchy subject uh, for, uh, well, Ryder fans and uh, fans around the league, and I'm sure I'll get into Simone Lawrence 
and the hit on Caleros and the suspension and everything here yet, but uh, he did have the game-sealing interception, ironically enough. He did have a couple other plays as well, picked up 18 points. Andrew Harris, 17.5, William Powell, 17, and a solid week with two touchdowns from Drew Wolitarski has him 16.3 points to round out Mike's top five performers. As for Team Ryan, CJ Gable, 24.3 points. Jonathan Rose, again, another ironic one, a guy who gets the game-sealing interception that probably shouldn't have been in this game. Uh, 16 fantasy points for me. Uh, William Stanback, 15.3. Brandon Banks, 13.7. And Darvin Adams, 13.3 as well. So uh, Mike jumps out to the early lead in CFL Fantasy here. Uh, again, if you missed the last episode of the podcast, we do each get two trades throughout this, uh, each week throughout the season if we would like to tinker with our rosters a little bit. Um, because I am behind, I do get first pick. But... You know, I'm not going to overreact to a, the first week of the season here. I'm going to stick the same way with my roster and keep it the same going into week two. Uh, Mike did text me yesterday and let me know he would like to make one of the trades. not on the podcast this week to announce it, but he did say that he would like to swap. Uh, he did have Nick Dembski as one of his wide receivers. Well, with the play of Ricky Collins, the monster game from him, I believe he had something like 170 yards in week one. Uh, Mike swaps uh, Nick Dembski for Ricky Collins Jr. of the Edmonton Eskimos. So uh, if you're keeping track at home, make that swap, and uh, we'll see if that pays off for Mike. He's coming out firing and uh, adding to his roster in a big way in week one. Now, let's get into talking about some of the results of these games from this past week and some of the things I noticed from these different teams. Uh, we will go team by team, not necessarily game by game here. I'll spend a couple minutes with a quick, uh, quick rundown of what I saw from each team. And, you know, just to keep things fresh, since it is just me and you're probably going to be bored of hearing my voice, if not already, very soon. Uh, we won't go at this in any rhyme or reason order. I have my trusty hat here with all the team names in it, and I will just pick out one team at a time and talk about them for a little bit just to keep me on my toes here a little bit, keep me sharp as we break down week one. All right, the first team as I mix up the stuff in the hat is the Montreal Alouettes uh, are the first team we're talking about, which... I'm pretty sure when we did our season preview show and I picked names out of the hat, I'm pretty sure Montreal was the first one there too. So maybe it's just something about the Alouettes who, you know, make me want to talk about them. And sure enough, there is a lot to talk about. Uh, they do fall 32-25 to to the Edmonton Eskimos in Week 1. Uh, Kahari Jones' first game as head coach after taking over for Mike Sherman, like couple days a week or so before the season started uh shocking news turnaround there with uh, mike sherman leaving kahari jones comes in interested to see how he gets his team ready to go for week one against edmonton and while early on it is a bit of a struggle for the uh, alouettes they do fall behind 16 to 8 at halftime uh 18 8 at some point i believe early in the fourth quarter they were actually down by uh, 17 points or something like that. So Montreal falls behind early. Um, Vernon Adams does come into the game later after an injury to Antonio Pipkin. And 
you know, Pipkin does get the starting job to start the season. I'm interested to see what Pipkin does. He doesn't come out and perform that great in this game. He did get a touchdown pass, but, you know, 7 of 17 for 57 yards is certainly not an ideal performance you're looking for from your starting quarterback. He gets hit around a couple but times. Um, Vernon Adams comes in. I thought Vernon Adams looked pretty solid here. 7 of 10, 134 yards, a touchdown, an interception uh for mr vernon adams but he did lead the team on a comeback late in the game and frankly you know they did score two straight touchdowns three minutes apart did put up a field goal with just two minutes to go uh the alouettes did which i believe tied the game at 25 25 with two minutes to go and you're thinking here all of a sudden oh man montreal might actually pull off this upset but that drive you know, I didn't catch this whole game. I just caught the last little bit, and I did watch, you know, bits and pieces afterwards. But, you know, Montreal did this great job in the fourth quarter of putting up uh, 17 unanswered points to all of a sudden come back on the Eskimos here. And um, I don't know what happened on that last drive. It was a terrible defensive coverage. You know, they needed the defensive stand. They didn't get it. They let Trevor Harris uh, march the Eskimos down the field and come back to win. So, I think there are some promising things I saw from Montreal in week one. I certainly, you know, liked how their game picked up with Vernon Adams late in the game. B.J. Cunningham had himself a strong game, 96 yards and a touchdown. Um, Taylor Waffler was very busy with 10 tackles in this game. But, I mean, uh, Montreal, you got to close it out when you're that close, uh, especially for a team that has been starved of wins in recent years. Uh, they do get a bye week this week to uh, maybe fix some of those things, so we'll see what that means for Montreal. But the big question on everybody's minds now is, well, it depends, first of all, on the health of Antonio Pipkin. Uh, does, is he ready to go by week three when the team plays next? And then the question is, well, after week one, we have quarterback controversy already, perhaps, in Montreal with people questioning, do you start Antonio Pipkin? Do you start Vernon Adams in week three? And frankly, I don't know what the answer to that is. I, I have long been a big supporter of Vernon Adams. I, I, I did think he deserved the starting job last season, uh, and I thought he performed well in the couple games he did play. But, you know, Pipkin does get the job to start this year. I think Vernon Adams can be a solid starting quarterback if you give him time. But here's the thing that I'm struggling with with saying, yes, he should start in week three, is, okay, Antonio Pipkin didn't have the greatest game, but if you're going to tell me you're going to start this quarterback carousel of switching quarterbacks after week one already, like, this is a team that's burned through how many, 15, 16 quarterbacks since Anthony Calvillo? You know, each week you never know who's going to be the starter for Montreal. I do agree you know, that Vernon Adams played really well. I do agree that maybe Pipkin struggled a little bit in this game, and uh, his health will impact a lot of stuff here as well. But I do think that, you know, if I'm Montreal, I do go back to Pipkin for week three, just so I don't start that quarterback carousel early in the season. Pick a quarterback, stick with him for a little while, and ride it out. That's the only way you're going to develop some consistency with the team because it's hard on a lot of the other guys if you go and, uh, you know, rotate week after week. They don't know which quarterback they're preparing with. So we'll see what the bye week brings for Montreal, but 
you know, a promising fourth quarter comeback. It's almost a shame they do have the bye week because they did generate some momentum late in the game. Uh, so we'll see if they can come back out in week three uh, when they do play the Hamilton Tiger Cats and uh, pick up their first win of the season that week. Uh, moving on to our next team here, as I draw another name out of the magical hat. Oh, stuck together there. Is, well, what do you know? The team they just played against, the Edmonton Eskimos. Um, again, 32-25 win for Edmonton. Strong start to the game. They do stumble a little later on. Um, this is a team that let their franchise quarterback go in the offseason. I don't know if intentionally. I know they did make an offer in that, uh, again, eventually Mike Riley just chose BC over them. So maybe I shouldn't say they let him go. But they did lose their franchise quarterback in Mike Riley in the offseason. And, you know, Trevor Harris comes into his first start as an Eskimo. And that's a lot of shoes to fill for a fan base that loved Mike Riley. And he did some great things in Edmonton. But Trevor Harris comes in and puts on a performance that almost has you wondering after uh, Mike Riley who? And, of course, nobody's realistically forgetting who Mike Riley is because, you know, he is has been one of the best quarterbacks in the CFL in recent years. But Trevor Harris comes in, throws 32 of 41 for 447 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions, even adds a touchdown on a, the ground, which... Trevor Harris typically isn't known for. I mean, about as perfect of a performance as you could ask for in your first game from the starting quarterback. Um, he does bring over Greg Ellingson. Many people expected Ellingson to be his biggest target in week one as he still gains familiarity with this offense. Uh, five catches, 66 yards for Ellingson. But it was really out of nowhere. Ricky Collins Jr. and and Kenny Stafford, that were his two primary targets, 175 yards on nine catches for Ricky Collins, 98 yards on seven catches, and two touchdowns for Kenny Stafford. Uh, these guys had monster games, as did C.J. Gable, uh, 20 carries for 154 yards. He did add uh, 29 more and a touchdown through the air. So, I mean, you're looking at a team that put up uh, I don't have the exact number here. I'll see if I can find it here. Yes, 608 yards of offense in week one. This Eskimos offense lost a lot of pieces in the offseason, and boy, did they not miss a beat. Granted, they did play the Montreal Alouettes, who has been a bit of an easier matchup in recent years. So we'll see if Edmonton can keep that going against BC this week. But uh, all signs pointed to a strong offensive game for the Eskimos. Uh, their defense, I would say, played a pretty solid game as well. The thing, again, for this team, for the uh, Eskimos, is the penalties. 11 for 108 yards. Uh, we did uh, mention a lot of times on the podcast last season that discipline was an issue for Edmonton, um, you know, over and over again. And I hope they can they can get over that this year. I hope they can write the course on some of that. Because this is a talented football team. Uh, they are my pick to win the Grey Cup this year, as you remember from the preseason. But uh, that that was my one knock on the Eskimos. A bit of a lack of discipline. You know, you take some uh, stupid penalties here and there. You lose your cool a little bit. You get off your game. You let Montreal back into this game. Um, props to the Eskimos for being able to close it out, though, with that final, uh, final touchdown there late in the game. Because... 
I tell you, if Trevor Harris throws for 447 yards and puts up four touchdowns and they lose to Montreal here, th th that's some question marks to me, how, how that happens for Edmonton. But they do close out the win. They do start the season 1-0, and they will be uh, playing the BC Lions uh, at home in Edmonton uh, next week. So uh, two-game homestand to start the season for the Eskimos. We'll see if they can start the year 2-0. and oh. Moving on to our third team here is a draw, another team out of the hat, and it is the hometown Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Uh, 33-23 win in BC in the final game of week one. Uh, BC, not an easy place to go in and win as a road team. Uh, they have been very good at home over the last number of years. They have struggled on the road. Uh, Winnipeg does go in there and plays about, well, right on point brand with Winnipeg Blue Bombers football as they pick up the 33-23 win. We've come to know this team to be a team that uh, makes some big plays on defense when they need to, that uh, has a strong rushing game with Andrew Harris. Uh, 148 yards rushing from him this week and another 27 through the air and uh, has a very, you know, game manager. Yes, I used the label game manager on Matt Nichols because let's face it, folks, Matt Nichols is not going to come out every week and throw 300 yards, three touchdowns, although he did throw three touchdowns this week, so maybe I should be a little quieter on that. Um He's not going to throw for 300 yards, burn you through the air day in and day out. No, but Matt Nichols does play that possession game. He picks his targets smart. He gets the yards he needs, moves it down the field, doesn't turn over the ball and create chances for the other team. And at the end of the day, they get the ball in the red zone and he gets the job done. So a uh, solid game from Matt. 184 yards passing, three touchdowns, no interceptions. Can't ask for... A more well-rounded game from the offense. I mean, rushing yards, passing yards, almost even, actually. And uh, he did manage to spread the ball around to a couple different receivers as well. Darvin Adams has always been kind of the number one guy in Winnipeg's receiving core. Uh, he was again this week with five catches for 73 yards and a touchdown. But, you know, you look at Drew Wolitarski, 43 yards, four catches, two of them being touchdowns. This is a guy that I'll go out and I said last year, and I still stand by this statement. I think Drew Wolitarski might be the second best Canadian wide receiver in the CFL. Nobody's going to take that away from Brad Sinopoli, I don't think, anytime soon as the number one. Because but Brad Sinopoli is an incredible player. But uh, Wolitarski is a guy that has gotten better and better from the start of last season until now. He's not going to come out and have 100 yards each game. No, but he is a very serviceable guy. He gets in position. He makes his catches, uh, has some key touchdowns here. And uh, I'm interested to see what he can get, uh, how he can do this year. Because, you know, he did have a uh, solid year last year. I do forget how many uh, how many point yards he finished with, but it was a very respectable year, and uh, he's only going to get better. Uh, Drew Wolitarski will. So uh, I'm interested to see how that goes all season long. Uh, also on defense, a couple guys that really stood out to me. Uh, well, one in particular was Jeff Hecht at safety. The Bombers did, you know, lose Taylor Loeffler at safety in the offseason, a guy who's been a mainstay in that defensive backfield the last number of years and has been a fan favorite there. But uh, 
they decide to go with Jeff Hecht, a little bit of a cheaper option there, and, you know, this is a guy that's been around the league for a decent amount of time, and he comes in, and what does he do in week one? Well, he uh, puts up two solid interceptions for the team. Uh, at least one of them did lead to a Bombers touchdown, I know that. And uh, really, I mean, that's about as good of a start to the season you can have as you take over the starting role. Uh, plus, A-plus taunting from Mr. Hecht uh, with the chicken dance on Deron Carter as he let up a bit uh, from an incoming hit uh, in the middle of the field during that game. Now, let's be real. I don't blame Deron for uh, for letting up a little bit. You know, you want players to be safe. Uh, but, you know, it's all in good fun. Deron's a guy who likes to bring a little bit of antics, a little bit of heat. Uh, it's, it's funny to see a guy like Jeff Hecht, you know, has two interceptions, starts doing the chicken dance in front of uh, Deron Carter. I, I love to see stuff like that. I love, I'm interested to see uh, how Hecht will uh, perform as the season goes along here as well. Because, again, I, you know, I keep saying this, interested to see how a guy plays as the season goes along. It is week one. We can be high on some of these guys after week one. We could be low on some of these guys. But we won't truly know what the season outlook is until we have a couple games under our belts with a lot of them. Uh, to see, you know, okay, this is one performance. Can they consistently play at a high level as the season goes on? And uh, uh, boy, would will it help things in that defensive backfield if Hecht can do that. Uh, a couple things of note where I think the Bombers could improve from their Week 1 performance is definitely on the kick and punt coverage. Uh, I know Brandon Rutley did have that massive uh, punt return touchdown. Uh, against the Bombers, which definitely hurt a little bit, and uh, they did also have a couple other big returns. So fix up the punt coverage and, uh, you know, maybe eliminate some of those big passing plays on defense. I'm looking at those two straight throws to Brian Burnham from Mike Riley that went from their own one-yard line to all of a sudden in uh, the red zone within uh, about 30 seconds. Uh, yeah, that's not great. Uh, let's try to eliminate that as the season goes along, please. Thank you. Okay, cool. Um, but overall, Winnipeg Blue Bombers brand football game gets them the win in week one. Next up, as I draw another team, is the Toronto Argonauts, the team that was on a bye in week one. So not a lot to talk about in terms of Toronto because we haven't seen any game action from them yet in the regular season, but uh, I'm interested to see in week two, uh, as they get their first game of the year, what this team is going to look like. I am actually, you know, after seeing what they did in free agency, a little higher on the Argos than uh, some might be coming into this year, because I do think that offense is going to get better under James Franklin this year. Uh you know, he's going to get better. He's got Darrell Walker, which is going to be a huge help in that offense. Uh, they've got a lot of running backs on that roster in Toronto. Uh, if any one of them, you know, has a bad week, put another in, and I'm sure he's going to perform mighty fine. And uh, I think that offense will get better. I also think their defense this year for the Argos uh, will be better. They did bring in some big pieces there. So, not a whole lot to talk about with the Argos uh, from week one, because uh, we they didn't play, like I said. But, uh, you know, if you want to look at the standings-wise, 
Uh, not an ideal week for them with Hamilton and Ottawa both picking up a win over a West Division team. Uh, I'm sure they would have liked both of those teams to lose. So we'll see if they can uh, keep in that race for the top two spots in the East Division this year. And, you know, uh, we'll see if Toronto can uh, can make it in back to the playoffs this year. They were my Grey Cup pick last year, which did not work out well at all. So a uh, bit of a tempered expectations on them this season, but... I think they will have a decent year here, and we'll see We'll see how it goes in Week 2 for the Toronto Argonauts. Next up, the aforementioned Ottawa Red Blacks, uh, a team that came into Week 1, uh, heavy underdogs going up against the Calgary Stampeders, a Grey Cup rematch that I don't think you can hardly call a Grey Cup rematch because... Uh, frankly, most of the major pieces of that Grey Cup game are not on either team anymore. Um, Ottawa comes in, not a lot of expectations for them this season. I've seen people predicting Ottawa to only finish with two wins this year, like they did back in their first season, which I think is a little absurd, but, uh, I, I did have them finishing last in the East Division this year, uh, to be fair. And uh, Calgary is a team that has been consistently the best team in the CFL. I mean, if you want to just look at stats uh, for the opening week uh, coming into this season, I mean, I think Calgary had won eight straight uh, season openers. Um, I heard a stat, I forget where from, that they hadn't lost at home before Labor Day uh, since like 2014, which is absolutely ridiculous. Uh, but it's what we come to expect from Calgary. Uh, many people expecting Calgary to win this one. I did, uh, surprisingly enough, actually pick Ottawa, uh, even though I think I've picked Calgary and CFL pick them almost every week in the last like four or five years. Uh, just on a hunch here. And uh, the Red Blacks delivered a 32-28 comeback win for Ottawa. Um, they do put up the only points of the fourth quarter. In fact, they do... Uh, put up, you know, something like seven, uh, 14 straight points at the end of the game to win this one, 32-28 over Calgary. Shocking people around the CFL. Um, you know, if we're talking about Ottawa here, this is a pretty good performance from them in week one. They'll certainly take that. A lot of people didn't give them a chance. They came out, they got a win against Calgary at home in Calgary which from those stats I just gave you is uh, generally almost impossible to do. Uh, Dom Davis is the major storyline here. Uh, all eyes were on him coming into this week. He gets the starting job because no Trevor Harris this year. And, uh, you know, the game's starting out, and I did pick Dom Davis in fantasy this week. I didn't get a chance to watch this game live, but uh, I was checking the score every once in a while, and I started checking, I was like, uh, not a lot of passing yards. This isn't ideal. Uh, oh, three interceptions. This is really not ideal. But then all of a sudden, there's a rushing touchdown. There's a rushing touchdown. There's a third rushing touchdown. And a lot of yards late in the game. And Dom Davis, yes, he threw four interceptions. But I think he had himself not too bad of a day as a, his first game as a, starting, a legitimate starting quarterback here. 29 of 44. 276 yards, no touchdowns through the air, and four interceptions, but he did pick up three scores on the ground. I mean, 
Not too often you throw four interceptions in a game, don't even throw a touchdown pass and come out to win, especially against Calgary. But uh, what Ottawa did well here was make use of the running game. There were question marks about Ottawa and the run game coming into this year. I certainly had some. Uh, they did lose William Powell to over to Saskatchewan in the offseason. And, uh, you know, Moses Madu was the front runner for the starting job. There were a couple other guys in camp that played well, too. But Madu does get the start. He does rush the ball 24 times for 112 yards. That's certainly going to help uh, get a little bit of pressure off of your new starting quarterback. And, uh, you know, Ottawa gets it done late in that game. And uh, offensively, they played, you know, just as well as I could have anticipated from a young offense that is only going to grow as the season goes along here you got to eliminate those turnovers that's for sure but uh the real thing for me here for ottawa is the play of the defense i thought the defense had a phenomenal game early on it looked like calgary was moving the ball pretty well but they really just shut calgary down in that second half uh they only allow seven points in the second half outscore calgary 18 to 7 uh bowie by mitchell has about as average of a day as we've come to see from Bowie by Mitchell of a not great day. 23 of 39, 275 yards, a touchdown and an interception. Um, and Calgary really doesn't get much going in the run game either. Only, uh, only about 43 yards on the ground. So if you can hold Calgary's offense to, you know, 330 yards, I think it was, uh, Stats here say 299 overall. I mean, if you can hold anybody to under 300 total yards of offense, you're going to have a successful game on defense, but especially a team led by Bowie by Mitchell. So props to the Red Blacks defense. I don't think it's a defense that gets enough credit. I really don't. I, I, I think Noel Thorpe leading some of those key pieces on defense makes this one, you know, one that can compete as well as any defense in the league, I think. But I think they've often gone overlooked over the last couple of years, and maybe they went a little overlooked coming into this year because everybody was focusing on all the pieces the team lost on offense. But solid game on defense for the Red Blacks. Uh, Jonathan Rose, un unfortunately, gets the game-sealing interception late in the game. Uh, given all the controversy of, uh, you know, he should have been suspended for this game probably, but they decided to just fine him instead of suspending him. And, uh, of course he gets game ceiling interception. Like that, that's just the irony and it all, uh, like, of course that happens, but you know, the league did decide he was allowed to play this week. So, uh, he came, he played and, uh, he showed up and got the job done. So, uh, props to uh, props to Jonathan Rose on a solid game there, and uh, you know, but uh, I'm not gonna say Ottawa's gonna go out and win, you know, be 18 and 0 this season. Uh, I'm not even necessarily saying they're gonna finish above 500. I just thought they were, this was a good game that they played here, and uh, you know, they put a little people on notice of maybe they were all selling Ottawa a little bit short. So we'll see how they play this week against a tough Saskatchewan defense, and. Uh, Maybe, just maybe, they can come out and start the season 2-0, and which I don't know if any of us were really expecting them to do. Certainly not uh, many people, given how many people took Calgary to win that game. Moving on to another team here. 
we have the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, uh, a team that got out to the start of the season in possibly the worst way you could in that just three plays into the season. They did lose their starting quarterback in Zach Caleros to injury. He does go down there and uh, he is on the six-game injured list. A nasty, nasty hit from Simone Lawrence that does have Lawrence currently suspended for two games. But, you know, with how wacky the CFL appeal process is, um, you know, that could be down to one game shortly. I, I, I don't know what to make of that. We'll wait to see what the appeal is like. But, uh, yes, he is. Uh, he was, at least at the time, suspended for two games. Uh, for that hit and it's just an awful hit to see you never wish injury on anybody in the CFL and you know Simone can go out and claim after the game that it wasn't intentional that he feels bad he feels really sorry and you know I I, I don't have any evidence that it was intentional so I'll believe him on that uh, because you know I don't have any proof that he intended to injure the guy it, it was a reckless hit there's no denying that and uh, it just sucks to see, uh, you know, I think this, this might be time for Coleros with all of these head injuries he's gotten lately to, to start considering, you know, does he come back and try to play football here again? I, I never want to see a quarterback end his career uh, off of an injury like what we saw with Anthony Calvillo and Ricky Ray most recently. Uh, you never want to see that, but... You also want to see these guys be happy, uh, be healthy, and be able to live their lives after football is the big thing here. So I wish Zach nothing but the best in his recovery, and uh, we'll see if we see him on the football field some more here yet. Uh, if he does, I hope he can stay healthy and get back to the... Uh, Zach Kolarostad was a very good quarterback just a couple of years ago. I, I still think that they're in him, but uh, certainly, you know... You can't keep taking as many headshots and as many concussions as he's been taking here. The Riders do then lose the game 23-17. Um, the big story is, obviously, on the quarterbacks. I mean, uh, Cody Fajardo is the backup. He comes in for a little while, goes 9 of 17 for 66 yards. Um, no touchdowns, no interceptions. Does rush for a touchdown in 34 yards. But then he goes down for a bit with an injury there too. And Walt didn't expect to see third string guy Isaac Harker uh, early in the uh, in the first game of the season, I'll tell you that. And a lot has been made this week about the fact that the CFL rules are changing next year and, uh, and uh, making it so that you can only have two quarterbacks on the game day roster. You know, two quarterbacks go down, what are you going to do then? If you're Saskatchewan, you're probably going to tell Nick Marshall to warm up, put some offensive numbers on, and, uh, you know, get ready to start throwing some passes. The former quarterback turned defensive back that still does short yardage for them. But, you know, injuries happen so often in the CFL, I do kind of get why they want to save that roster spot for other positions. But, I mean, if you're down two quarterbacks and you don't have a third quarterback and you need a third quarterback... I mean, you might as well write your day off then and there already because it is the most important position on the football field, as is talked about week in and week out. 
of the backup. So we know we have gotten the news already that this coming week against Ottawa, Cody Fajardo will start, but it sounds like Isaac Harker will get some playing time too. So looks like Saskatchewan will just be, uh, will be, you know, trying out a couple of these different guys here to see uh, to see who they want to roll with for the next couple of weeks while Zach Coeros is out. They did bring in Bombers uh, training camp cut, Brian Bennett, back for another stint as well, so maybe he gets into the mix. But, uh, you know, Fajardo didn't show me nothing great. Isaac Harker eh, started off, what, 5 for 5 for 95 yards or something like that? But he did uh, end up with two interceptions here. But, you know, starting out, it was like, maybe we actually need to start uh, focusing on this guy. Maybe this guy's got some potential. So we'll see between these two quarterbacks if any one of them can kind of take the reins over the next few weeks. Uh, because, well, they have a couple of weeks to do it uh, with the number one guy out due to injury. And, you know, maybe one of them can step up and uh, bring this offense up a little bit because uh, it ha is one that we made a lot of last year for how much it struggled. So, you know, hopefully one of these guys can uh, lead the quarterback play and uh, get this offense uh, running here a little bit because, or should I say passing, because the run game's going to do just fine. William Powell, 20 carries, 104 yards and a touchdown. He did add more through the air, I believe, as well. Two catches for six yards. Um, a solid Riders debut for Mr. William Powell. And the uh, the defense for Saskatchewan, though, I thought had a great game as well. I, I did, on our Periscope last week, when we did give our picks, I said the, I said Hamilton would win this game by 20. I, uh, I thought they would. I For some reason, you know, I thought that uh, the offense was going to roll for Hamilton. I thought Mazzoli, with strong offensive line in front of him, a couple key receivers, was going to light it up, but... Saskatchewan held them to 169 yards through the air. 17 of 28 for 169, a touchdown for Mazzoli. Uh, 68 yards from Sean Thomas Erlington on the grounds, but very, very well contained this Hamilton offense. And uh, they only let Hamilton put up 23 points. Uh, one of the, you know, seven of them coming from a punt return touchdown. So I thought Saskatchewan's defense would take a step back this year after some of the pieces they lost, but boy, in week one, did it look like they are not. So if you could get the offense up to par here, Saskatchewan, you might have a very good season on your hands if that defense can maintain the pace they are currently at. All right, next team. Two teams left to talk about before we get into our week two picks here. Uh, the next one is the Hamilton Tiger Cats, the other side of this matchup. Um... Kind of talked about them a little bit here, that I expected big things from them in week one. Uh, that did not happen. Um, you know, I was expecting a better game from Mazzoli than he played. I thought it was kind of a lackluster game from him. Maybe it was just that Saskatchewan defense. You know, maybe they're still figuring th some things out on offense because they did lose a couple pieces in that wide receiver core. Um, you know, you do have some guys that have com are coming back from injuries. Brandon Banks had a major injury last season. Luke Tasker uh, did, was a little nicked up in training camp, but uh, didn't look like Banks missed a beat. Six catches, 77 yards, and a touchdown was by far the leading receiver for Hamilton. And uh, if you look at the running back position, this was a team that I was a little bit unsure about coming into this season. 
They let Alex Green go just shortly before training camp, I believe, maybe a month or so before. And uh, I really wasn't sure what the plan was at running back. You have Cam Marshall, you have Sean Thomas Erlington, who is a Canadian, I believe. Um, just to double check on that. Yep, from, born in Montreal, um, Canadian Sean Thomas Erlington. Well, Cam Marshall goes on the sixth game, which means it's uh, Sean's job for the next while. And uh, he performed admirably, 68 yards on the ground, 35 through the air. Uh, not a bad day to uh, have uh, over 100 yards for him. And, uh, you know, he did show a couple flashes last season in the little time he played. This is a guy who, you know, as a running back, it's great to see running backs that can uh, play a little more two-dimensional and be utilized in the passing game. And that's something they actually did with him last year where they uh, had him line up as a receiver at times. So, you know, yards through the ground, yards through the air. Uh, could be a good season for Mr. Sean Thomas Erlington. As for the defense for Hamilton, you know, it's hard to gauge how well they played defensively because of the fact that uh, they did play Saskatchewan's offense, who was down to their third-string quarterback late in the game. But, uh, you know, so it's hard to really gauge what Hamilton's defense is going to be look like this year. One thing I will note is early in that game, something I did definitely notice um, is while well, we talked about the uh, Simone Lawrence hit already, but then right after that, Delvin Bro also takes a major foul. I mean, early in the game, two major fouls on defense for the Ticats basically moved Saskatchewan into scoring range, and they actually score uh, the first touchdown of the game, largely due to those penalties. If you're Hamilton, that's something you got to clean up here. You can't be taking major penalties on defense and led, and moving the other team into scoring position like that. So, you know, a little more discipline here uh, is something that is going to be crucial for this team. Uh, they did only have eight penalties for 79 yards, but uh, timely penalties, you can't be taking those major fouls. You're inevitably going to take some penalties every game, but, uh, but yeah, you got to eliminate those major fouls. But they do pick up the week one win. Uh, Game-winning touchdown is a huge punt return, a uh, 94-yard punt return by Frankie Williams. So a great play on special teams to start the season there for him as the Ticats pick up a win in week one and get ready for a week two matchup with the Toronto Argonauts. And finally, our last team to talk about from week one here is the Calgary Stampeders, I believe. Oh, nope, we still have the BC Lions after that yet. But uh, first of all, Calgary, this is a team that everybody, you know, picks every single year to be the top team, frankly, because, uh, well, they prove to be the top team every year despite how much they lose. Calgary looked beatable this week. They were beatable. They did get beaten by an, an Ottawa team that uh, people didn't have a lot of stock in to start the year. You know, they did start the year strong offensively. Calgary put up 18 points in the first quarter. But as the game went along, their offense stalled a little bit. Their offense had a very average game overall. And uh, last year and the year before, that really wasn't a problem because their defense was so absolutely stellar. Their defense just carried the team uh, in the rare moments where the offense struggled to the point where it was like, well, how do you beat this team the last couple of years? If the offense has a bad day, the defense is going to carry it. If the offense is on its game, the defense isn't going to need to carry it. 
So, I, I mean, the last couple of years, that has been the recipe for Calgary. But, you know, they have had a lot of turnover, a lot of pieces gone. And, uh, unfortunately, another one looks like he's going to be gone for a little while for possibly the whole season here for Calgary as uh, I believe it's Junior Turner went down with an injury that could put him out for the season. So, not something you want to see in week one um, for the Stampeders here. Uh, offensively, Jawan Breskison, the leading receiver, 68 yards. But, I mean, uh, what did Bo Levi Mitchell do? He did what Bo Levi Mitchell does. Uh, Breskison, Ambles, Rogers, Jackson, Bagleton, Langley, Smith, Klukas. You know, that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight different receivers by my count. Bo spreads the ball around. So, nobody jumps out as the clear number one guy for Calgary here yet in week one on offense. Uh, they didn't run the ball very much. Nine carries, 22 yards for Don Jackson. That's something I want to see Calgary be able to do a little bit more this year is uh, get that running game more consistently going. And, uh, you know, that's going to eat up more time off the clock. Uh, you know, let your defense rest because, yes, your defense is mortal this year, uh, as we've seen. Uh, they may not have been mortal the last couple of years, but, you know, it's it's a week one loss for Calgary. This is not spelling, you know, Calgary is going to be terrible this year. They're going to bounce back from this. They do have the bye week to bounce back from this. But uh, certainly certainly a shock is all I can say to a lot of us. that I did pick Calgary to lose in week one, but it was a very out there, not highly confident that it was actually going to happen prediction. It was just kind of a bold prediction. And, uh, well, it came out to be true uh, not too often. We talk about Calgary starting the season at 0-1. And finally, as I mentioned, the BC Lions is the last team I will talk about here. Uh, they do lose a home game to the Bombers, uh, 33-23. I, I, th I thought BC early in the season, I said this on a couple of our season preview shows, would be a team that they, they, on paper they look good. But there's so much overhaul with the team that they're going to take a little bit of time to gel here. And uh, I, I would say that was fairly accurate with what we saw in the first game of the year. Uh, Mike Riley, first time as a start, back as a starter with BC, his first start of the season. 22 of 39, 324 yards, a touchdown, two interceptions. He does put up a lot of yardage there, but... You also have to remember that, what, 90 or 80-something of those yards came on, 99 of those yards or something like that, came on two plays to Brian Burnham on the same drive. So take that away, and uh, pretty average day for Mike Riley in his BC Lions debut this time around. So we'll see if they can get that going, uh, you know, ironed out here. But I think the big story with the Lions' loss here is the lack of a running game. Four carries for four yards is all they had. They only ran the ball four times in this game. I mean, you know, Mike Riley is Mike Riley, and he's, in my opinion, the best quarterback in the CFL, and he can do wondrous things, whether it's through the air or if he takes it himself and runs. But you can't tell me you're going to have a championship team if you're only going to run the ball four times a game and only get four yards when you do it. You look at championship teams, they have, sure, a, an amazing quarterback, maybe, like the, you do in Mike Riley. But you also need that run game to balance out the passing game here. You know, I'm no NFL nut. 
I'll, I'll, I'll say that, but you know, you can't tell me, and or maybe you can have this completely wrong, but in my head, you can't tell me that Tom Brady goes out and wins as many Super Bowls as he does just solely off of his own hands with no run game to complement the passing game there. Uh, you do need a run game to, con at least of some standpoint. You don't need, it doesn't need to be the big focus necessarily, but it opens up so many things for the passing game as well. It runs down the clock. You know, you're not going to have a lot of possession time if you're just throwing passes and you're, you know, you're throwing a pass to a guy and he gets out of bounds, you throw a pass and it's incomplete. You run that ball down the middle, you're going to burn some time off the clock. So if there's one thing I suggest for the BC Lions, run the dang ball. And we'll see what that does for this team going forward. Uh, Brandon Rutley, punt return touchdown, uh, 94 yards, or sorry, 75 yard kick return touchdown. Uh, nice job by Rutley. He did have an injury last season and came back from that and he's boy does he have some speed there that was a great play by Rutley and uh hey uh <laughs> just talked about the run game a lot you know you see that burst of speed uh, maybe you know maybe give this guy the ball and let him carry it or something like that maybe just a thought do with it what you will <laughs> yeah yeah that that that's the big thing for me with BC um defensively they do you know they do hold off the Bombers from picking up a lot of yards through the air, but they do let the Bombers into scoring range uh, quite a bit, partly due to some turnovers on offense, and uh, and the defense can't hold them off in the red zone. So they allowed 33 points from the Bombers in this game. Uh, BC, like I said, they're gonna, I think they're going to be a good team this year. I just think they're going to take some time to gel. So uh, we'll see what we'll see what next week brings as they play the Eskimos. Mike Riley facing his former team should be interesting to watch. I uh, and, and we'll see if they can uh, well, they pick up their first win of the season as they do go on the road, a place they have struggled. Well, that's all my thoughts on Week One and the nine teams around the CFL. Let's quickly close out the show here by looking at some of the Week 2 uh, CFL Pick'em and CFL Fantasy. Uh, of course, if you're following along with the CFPN 2019 Fantasy Challenge, again, check out CF Pod Network on Twitter for that. Our Week 2 matchups are as follows. Uh, Brazilian Tie going up against BB Can Ryan. Uh, Rod from the Wood Cookie Sawcast going up against Andrew from the Eskimo Empire podcast. Sheldon from the uh, CFL Horseman podcast going up against Safamod from the Piffles podcast. Myself up against none other than Travis Curra of the Two and Out CFL podcast. Uh, should be a great matchup there. I know Travis did have a bit of a down week in week one, but this is a guy that uh, loves CFL fantasy just as much as I do. So I'm looking forward to. A great matchup there with uh, Mr. Travis Curra, and may the best man win in Week 2. Uh, and then rounding out the matchups is uh, Superfan Mike from the Eskimo Empire podcast against uh, Brian from the Lions Den. So best of luck to everybody in Week 2 of CFPN Fantasy. Uh, looking at our CFL Pick'em, I do have Mike's picks that he did text me. Um... If I can find them here, uh, he did text them to me this morning when he said he would not be able to go this week, um, and I do have my picks for this week as well. Three games on the schedule this season, uh, or this week I should say, because three teams do have a bye week, and it starts off with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and the Ottawa Red Blacks. 
Uh, Mike does take the Riders to win this one. I, I he, he didn't give me his reasons for this, but I'm guessing he likes what he saw from the defense. Maybe he's not quite sold yet on Ottawa, but... Oh boy, you know, I did have the perfect record. I did have the first overall placement in CFL Pick'em. I'm putting it on the line here. I did go out and pick Ottawa last week, and it paid off for me. And I think I just might do it again. I am I like Ottawa at home. Again, this team doesn't get as much credit as people give them. I like their defense up against Saskatchewan's offense. I mean, it's going to be a learning curve for Fajardo and Harker, who, whatever rotation they play in. Uh I also think Dom Davis can clean up his game a little bit from the week before. Four interceptions doesn't happen too often. You know, I think he can clean that up a little bit. I do have a couple concerns going up against that Riders defense that did shut down Mazzoli and the Ticats. Um, but I will take Ottawa to win a close one here at home over the Riders. And uh, they may surprise me in this. And I, I, I wouldn't be too surprised to see Saskatchewan pull off a win back by their defense here. But, uh, heck, picking Ottawa worked last week, so might as well pick Ottawa here again over the Riders. And then the second match of the week coming Friday night, the BC Lions in Edmonton. Mike Riley returns to Edmonton to face his former club here. Uh, two teams that had a lot of turnover in the offseason. Uh, one team comes out to the win in week one, one team does uh, in the Eskimos, and one team uh, gets off to the loss with the BC Lions. But I'm really intrigued to see what week two looks like for Trevor Harris, because that was a monster performance in his first game for the Eskimos. Can he repeat that this week? This is a guy that's been known to be great when he is on his game, but has consistency issues. So can he overcome that with a new team? and see if he can put up the same type of numbers he did last week against a BC team that defensively, I think there's I think there's room to put up those yards against BC. Um, and then the other question is, you know, can Riley get that offense back on track, and will they run the ball, the BC Lions? Um, Mike and I are both taking the Eskimos in this game. Like I said, I think BC's going to get it together as the season goes along. Um, Edmonton is... My favorite to win the Grey Cup this year. I love what they did defensively. I don't know if Javon Santos-Knox is going to be ready to play this week. Uh, but, you know, that offense did not miss a beat in week one. The Eskimos offense did. And if, they, if they're going to keep running the ball with C.J. Gable as much as they are, that's going to make it so much easier for Trevor Harris. He's got all of these uh, different pieces at wide receiver. Uh, I like the Eskimos here. I think it's going to be a close game because I'm sure Riley's going to have some fire going out against his old team. But I will take the Eskimos to win this one at home, and so is Mike. And finally, the third matchup to round out this week in uh, the CFL. Week number two rounds out with the Toronto Argonauts playing their first game of the season against the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Mike and I are consistent on our picks with this one as well. Uh, both taking the Thai Cats on the road against the Argos. Uh, I I don't know really what to expect from the Argos yet because we haven't seen them play. I think this is going to be a better season, certainly, than they had last year. I'm expecting that offense to tick a little bit more. But I also think the Thai Cats offense is going to be a lot better than it was against that strong, strong, strong 
Saskatchewan defense last week. I, I, I'm expecting a bounce-back game from them. I would not be surprised to see Mazzoli put up 300 yards at least in this game. And, uh, yeah, I, I think it could be a close game. Toronto's going to put up a fight here. Uh, obviously, they're trying to get fans in the seats in Toronto and your first game of the year. You know, you're going to try to come out to make a statement in week one. But I do think the Ticats are going to take this one. So Mike's got the Riders, the Eskimos, and the Ticats. I have the Red Blacks, the Eskimos, and the Ticats in week number two, CFL Pick'em. Uh, that does it pretty much for our show here today. Um, we will be, we should be back, both of us, again next week. We'll try to get a Periscope in as well before the podcast, as we have done in recent weeks. I apologize for no Periscope this week, uh, just because I was by myself. But, uh, yeah, follow the podcast on all the podcast platforms. Uh, like, comment, subscribe, review, uh, drop us a rating on Apple Podcasts. I noticed somebody, I don't know when this was, but I noticed the other day somebody gave us a five-star rating, which, whoever you are, thank you so very much. We're very honored, uh, and we'd love we'd love to get more reviews, more feedback on how we can improve this show and bring you the best content we can. Uh, follow us on Twitter, at CFC on MikeFM. Uh, stay up to date on everything we're talking about there. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at CooperTrooper42 as well. And uh, Mike can be found at, at Mike Gerald, uh, M-I-K-E-G-E-R-L. Uh, we are a proud member, as I have mentioned many times, of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Check out cfpodnetwork.ca and at cfpodnetwork on Twitter for all of the other great shows as they come out this week and every week throughout the season. And uh, the podcast I do want to highlight this week is my opponent for the week in the CFPN Fantasy Challenge, and that is Travis Curra's uh, Two and Out CFL podcast. So check them out. Uh, great show each week. Travis Curra, Brazilian tie. Actually, two episodes a week from these guys. Uh, one recapping the ones from the week before and one uh, previewing the next week. They talk a lot of CFL fantasy and all of that. If you're a CFL fantasy fan like myself, I know you're going to love that show. Uh, at to and out CFL on Twitter, follow them there, and I believe they also have a new website up, which you can read uh, content on their website all season long. I'm just trying to find the URL here: to and out ca, to and out dot ca. Check out the to and out CFL podcast there, and uh, make sure you subscribe to them as well on all your favorite podcast platforms. That does it for this episode. Thank you all for listening so much. I apologize if I rambled for too long, and I hope it wasn't too boring to listen to just me. We'll bring Mike and all of the excitement that comes with uh, his takes always. Uh, we'll bring him back next week, and we will discuss everything from week two in the CFL. So thank you for listening. Uh, hope you enjoy week two. Uh, it's great to have CFL football back, and this should be a fun season. Have a wonderful day. Take care. Bye.